Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hi, this is Colin Hung, today coming to you from HITMIC, the healthcare and IT marketing community. And I'm sitting down, or very privileged to sit down, with my friend Jane Sarashan Khan, who's going to be talking to us about a few things related to the award that she just recently won. She won the 2020 Medigy HITMIC Award for Health IT Advocate of the Year. Jane, welcome to the program. Colin, I'm happy to be with you, particularly because I get to see you, and I've missed you so much in this coronavirus era. It is so true. I mean, we normally would have run into each other at least a couple of times by now at the various conferences, or I would have been sitting in the audience listening to you speak, which I do enjoy doing. But of course, that's all different now because of the coronavirus. It is. So thank you for inviting me on your show. Well, thank you for being here. So let's let's um, maybe give some of the audience a little bit of background. Uh, Jane, what do you maybe what do you do? <laughs> My own family wonders sometimes. Uh, so the the little haiku is I uh, advise, I speak, and I write. Uh, and underneath that, uh, how do I do that? I do lots and lots of research. I read everything you'd be surprised from The Economist to The Financial Times every day uh, to Rolling Stone magazine and people. Uh, and lots and lots of industry publications, obviously, and lots of Google alerts every night. Um, so you, uh, Andre Blackman, our great friend, mind of Andre, founder of Onboard Health, coined me the trend weaver about 10 years ago. And um, this, that's basically what I do is I take this mosaic of lots of bits and bits of data from mothers upset about EpiPen prices a few years ago in People Magazine to looking at uh, what PBMs were were uh, were pricing uh, epipens uh, epinephrine at, and I weave all that together for my clients who span the healthcare ecosystem and uh, advise. And I write in my blog at Health Populi, and I write for for pay, white papers with my name on them and the company's name on them. So it's very transparent. My point of view, never edited by the client. And then I speak a lot now um, in the pre-COVID era live. And now we're doing so much this way, go to meetings, Zoom, uh, Google um, meetups, Google Hangouts and uh, Microsoft Teams. And increasingly I'm using cool things like Miro, using virtual post-it notes. So I continue to learn on these new platforms too. I was just gonna ask you, like. I mean, first of all, I am always fascinated by the connections you make and the trends that you do weave together. That is probably the most accurate description of what you do, <laughs> that, that well, you are a trend, yeah. trend weaver. Yeah. Uh, but how do you do that? I and mean, you just mentioned sort of this post-it note thing, but is there a sort of a, a, a method to how you uh, make those connections? So um, there's there are two uh, genetic gifts that uh, as I age, uh, and and think back, how did I get here? That great David Byrne song, you know, uh, once in a lifetime. Uh, how did I get here? Um, there are a lot of writers in my family going way back to the a man who migrated from Eastern Europe named Kazriel Saracen. I don't think I've ever mentioned this on any interview, but Kazriel 
was the founder of the first Yiddish newspaper in New York City, the Jewish Daily Forward. And um, there are a lot of Saracens with the H, S-O-H-N, who write, who I'm related to distantly and some first cousins. Um, the editor of the Oregonian, David Saracen, Sarah Saracen on NPR. The, those are not first cousins, but they are related all through Kazriel. So there's a writer's gene and somebody who, somebody who's obviously given us DNA along, from a long way back, uh, Ancestry.com style, um, to uh, gift us with some facility of being quick about writing. So I write my blog almost every day and it's not that it's hard for me. It just is something that comes. So there's that, that um, competence that I think is a DNA thing. And the other thing is a brain thing um, where, you know, in my private life, I like to paper craft and make collages and take images. And I journal I'm almost every night's my therapy, cut out things, paste them in, you know, like you did as a kid or like, uh, like um, uh, Matisse did with his great paper cutouts. Um, and you in Toronto, you've got a lot of great Matisse in your, in your <laughs> museum and your uh, modern art museum, which I, which I miss. Is it the Art Gallery of Ontario? Art Gallery of Ontario, oh, that's right. Sorry, I, I, art is a big part of my life. But I mean, that's sort of the way my brain works is I do make those connections. And there's that scene, if you remember the movie Working Girl with Melanie Griffith and Harrison Ford in the elevator, the lift at the end, where they're with Mr. Trask. And uh, he challenges her, how did you come up with the idea of Trask media, blah, blah, blah. And basically she talks about what I do. She rips the page out of the, out of the society page and she reads an article in Fortune and, and so on. And it went, that's the way her brain worked to put together that deal for, for his big merger. So, I mean, it really is a brain thing and how I see things. And I know through my paper crafting, it's the same kind of thing. I, I, I don't know if it's a form of ADD. We're not going to give it a name, but it's what I've done my whole life. It's just how it works up there. I like that collage, the fact that you do them, because it is such a great analogy for what you do, do with words. I think I have um, a journal to show you. I didn't anticipate this, but I created um, my ABC of COVID uh, <laughs> early on. And of course, let me just turn to one page to give you an example. And that is that F is for Fauci. <laughs> and I've got all kinds of things about the great Fauci, including this cute journaling card, hey there, smarty pants. So, um, and then the uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci fan club pin and a microscope. So that's how the brain works. <laughs> that's amazing. You definitely need to publish that uh, book. That I'm would gonna, be a lot of fun. I'm gonna take a week with my husband finally. We've decided to be brave and rent a house in the Finger Lakes uh, through Airbnb in August. So the week I'm gone, maybe I'll publish uh, like four or five images a day that week in advance. I think that's a great idea. Thank you. No, that is a that is one of the ABCs of COVID. The ABCs of COVID. I did that very early on when I was very anxious. I've I've done a lot of journaling about COVID. That's a whole other <laughs> conversation. So so let me let me ask you this, Jane. How did you get started in healthcare? Like of all the verticals of all the industries to yeah. focus on, what was it about healthcare and health IT? It was not obvious. Um, 
yeah, when I was an undergrad at University of Michigan and all my schooling's been at University of Michigan, go blue, big 10, Michigan's my home state. Um, I studied economics and journalism, writing, you know, again, that thing. Uh, not that I wanted to be a journalist ever. It's just, I write. Uh, but economics always fascinated me. And I come, my father was very involved in state politics in Michigan and blah, blah. So um, worked uh, in market research after college for a few years. And again, in the energy sector, interestingly enough, when um, we were really worried about oil prices and things like that. And then my mother was diagnosed uh, very young in her life at the age of 50 with a very um, esoteric leukemia. And um, I was very young and um, she had a terrible prognosis at the beginning, but she lived eight years on with um, a tremendous relationship with a hematologist. And back then there was no chemo, you know, mm. we're talking the seventies. And so, um, Long, long story short, after she passed away in 79 at the age of 58, um, I was fascinated by the insurance bills that were coming in from Blue Cross of Michigan. And she had belonged to a union. She worked for a school district. And my dad was paying like nothing except the TV and the phone in the room. And I said to him, how is it possible that in the last 13 days of mom's life, dying at Sinai Hospital in Detroit, which was over $100,000, you know, back then, today it would have been half a million at least. Um, who's paying? So I got my first kind of whiff of something's going on in economics, in healthcare. And my father explained to me what insurance was. So I went back to college. I went back to University of Michigan School of Public Health and the Graduate School of Economics. And those days, Michigan did not have a health economics degree, but we forged one between the two departments and uh, did my health economics work there and then moved to Philadelphia to take a job with a healthcare consulting firm when DRGs were just being implemented for payment. Anyway, long story. That's how I got it. My mother's um, health and cost experience inspired me. She's with me on my shoulder all the time and really motivates me to keep uh, going. Even in this COVID era, I think about her a lot because she really uh, worked most of her sick life, except the last couple of years that were too difficult. And so uh, that's why I wear lipstick a lot, which you know is one of my things, uh, even though guys don't usually think about that. But a lot of my girlfriends always say, Jesus, you got lipstick on again, even on Zoom. Because I saw my mother do that, um, you know, uh, outside in. Uh, if you feel if you feel like you look good, you feel good. So um, she she's informed that a, a lot pre-Zoom pre era for me. Uh, my whole life, because I've had a home office forever, you know, since I left uh, big firms, 20 years, I've been working from home, teleworking. And so um, I have never not worn pants uh, 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 during the day uh, working. I've always, even when nobody would see me, um, done my thing. So um, anyway, that's part of my own brand. But I got, I got into this because of mom and my father's political bent. And then um, health IT uh, it's a long, it's, you know, part of this, part of the journey. I met my husband, uh, fell in love and he was already living in London. Then he's an international banker type now on the banking technology side. But, um, I moved to London after I married him and worked in the NHS and the private sector as a consultant for Touche Ross, now Deloitte. And so that's when I cut my teeth on IT 
in the US, even looking at costs and DRGs, I really wasn't in technology yet. I was mm -hmm. working with hospitals, health plans, um, and doctors' uh, practices, looking at cost, costs, and billing. So it was just billing systems. But when I lived in London and in the NHS, they were working on full-scale health IT, early era of EHR, not an EHR, but they had to measure and manage from what they measured because they lived on a budget. Right. Isn't that amazing? So in <laughs> fact, I really learned a lot about health IT working with a company called ICL, which was eventually purchased by a larger company, I think IBM eventually, eventually. But anyway, that's where I learned about HIT. And then when I got back to the States in the early 90s, then we started to see um, the growth of the internet in healthcare. And that's really what I early on um, branded myself in the early age of the internet and e-health in healthcare, the early age of Dr. Green and working with Matthew Holt as he was building up um, Health 2.0 with Indu. Uh, and of course, then working a lot with technology companies, even to this day. That's uh, that's amazing. And for anyone who who knows you and has gotten to know you, it would not surprise them to know to learn that you're you were such a pioneer at such an early age, deciding to uh, create your own degree, if you will, around economics uh, and uh, medical economics on top of that. Because uh, at uh, at Michigan, that's a that's an incredible story. It was it was early. We had Uwe Reinhardt was young and uh, Alain Antoven at Stanford. And then early on, the works of a chap at University of Chicago, Gary Becker, who I eventually met, he had won the Nobel Prize eventually, but he was studying the microeconomy of the home and the family and the role of women in the family. And that, that microeconomics, the looking in on subsectors of the economy, that's what really excited me. It was applied economics. And, there, and so health economics is really applied economics because it's all of those things. So let's turn our attention a little bit to the award. So you won the award for Health IT Advocate of the Year, which is an award that recognizes individuals who have gone above and beyond in advocating health IT uh, or advocating for the health IT community. Uh, and it honors your work in the past year to push the industry forward. That's what the award is for. So congratulations again. I think that deserves a round of applause. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah. what was your reaction when you learned that you had won? Well, first of all, you know, I'm not a marketing and communications um, expert. That's not my job, not my day job. Uh, the, the writing I do on the blog is free. You know, I, I write a lot and I give away what I'm thinking about because I want people to know about it. And I have a few people who, who read it every day. Um, and that, that's great. So I was really surprised you know, health IT advocate. I'm definitely an advocate. Um, but of course, I talk about health, health, and then what builds health. And of course, technology uh, helps us make health, scale health, get health uh, um, where it needs to go. But increasingly, we know it's not just about the tech. Um, now we know about social determinants of health and the role of food and education and a good income and access to health insurance. So when I advocate for health IT, it's more for health and then the role of that technology plays to, to drive health, but not being so um, 
sanguine that it's just tech because it's not. If we don't have good public policy and if we don't really love each other at the end of the day and care about each other, you know, the tech won't won't scale love. So it's tech and. Um, so that's why I was surprised. One, I'm not a communications professional. And two, I don't consider myself uh, just a health IT advocate. So the fact that you spotted that uh, and called that out, it was gobsmacking. Like it was lovely, uh, especially during the pandemic. You know, this award has happened now, uh, you know, a month ago. So I'm grateful and I'm also just astonished. <laughs> Well, you definitely deserve it, and uh, you know you you were it was a category where there was filled with other people who are great advocates as well. But uh, the work you've done in the last twelve months was has been just uh, awesome. My friends, no, I mean uh, you know the the two folks, uh, you know Matt and Nick uh, in the category, they're my buds. You know, I mean we we uh, we hang out, so I mean, uh, and I love them. So anyway, very grateful. So if you look back over the last year, is there anything uh, from your portfolio or anything that you are most proud of uh, in that past year? Yeah, I have to say um, I got my book published, Health Consuming, which, um, you know, writing a book is, 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 is hard when you're working and you're living your life and you're traveling and you have your relationships, your husband and your, your child, although my child's an adult now living up in Boston doing great. Um, and your friendships, you know, but but I had to get the book done. It was the time. Uh, and now in the COVID era, I look back at the theme of health consumer to health citizen. And boy, you know, again, I, I think I was just a little early and that's great because now it's it's uh, it's so relevant and, and resonates right now. And I say that because people I I'm speaking with about it are saying, oh, my gosh, this is this is happening. Like this is this is this is you're prescient that way. Um, and also in the last year, I mean, my blog continues to grow and I love it and it's becoming more and more my, the voice of my voice. Like, I feel like it's, it's uh, the authentic me. Uh, if you read it, you know, I love it or hate it. And I have haters, you know, haters going to hate and, uh, it happens, but that's okay. Um, you know, we, we believe in that. Um, and then I think more recently, just my ability to pivot to the virtual world, pivot a business. And the business is just me, although I've got a network of people I work with. And that was challenging. You know, in, in February, three days before HIMSS was supposed to go on and we all had our calendars full and I was supposed to see you and hug you and work with you, collaborate. Uh, and our great, your great mixtape that I love to participate on <laughs> every year. You know, the fact we couldn't celebrate that in person really sucked. And it, it took all of us, you know, that exogenous shock was really crappy. And so the fact that mental health has been uh, uh, the pandemic in, in and will be beyond the pandemic, uh, the COVID pandemic, is very real. And everyone I talk to when we take the lipstick off um, and our, our sort of Google face, not our Facebook uh, face, you know, what do we search on? If people knew that. They would know our real selves. Um, it, it's impacted everybody, I, I, but I'm very blessed in that I can, could pivot a business. I could cook at home. I could go to the grocery store. You know, there are things that I, I could do. So, um, but I think that's an important part of the last year, showing our mettle and that we can stick to it and be tenacious 
and keep working with our clients, supporting our clients, most of the work pivoting toward COVID. So that's been very gratifying too, to help the various kinds of clients that I have provide some sort of value and support for patients and caregivers and clinicians in this just ridiculously long haul of, uh, of the pandemic. Now, before we got online here, you and I were speaking about that pivot between uh, in-person or from in-person events now to online. And you've experienced sort of a, a, a delay. It didn't happen for you right away where, you know, everyone just said, okay, well, we're going straight from a conference that was going to happen in Boston and we're going to go right to online. Uh, you mentioned that it took a little bit of time for some of your clients and some of the people who had asked you to speak to make that move. Right. So um, we're in, we're business people here. We're for profit uh, for, for, for the most part, though we do pro bono work for sure. But the first uh, order of business for all of our clients was where's the next dollar or pound or uh, euro going to come from? And they had to figure out what's the business model now that there's a shutdown. <laughs> it seemed incompatible. So there was first managing the treasury function and the income and the sales. And I respected that and didn't get in the way of any of that and just kept in touch with, with people uh, that I was contracted to speak with or work with, advise, um, and kept the blog going, kept my research on COVID up. And I have to say, it's become even more intense in the COVID era because what COVID is about now, we're looking at you know structural racism and, and more and more of the social determinants in all of that. So it's even more complex doing that trend weaving. But the first thing was clients getting the business in order. At the same time, they had to set up their employees at home in telework. Right. And virtually all my clients are in that kind of business where people can work at home. Mm -hmm. They're not wait staff in restaurants and grocery workers and people who cut hair. So um, they're office workers. So they also had to attend to the telework, the setting up of the virtual private networks, many of whom did not have very resilient uh, um, infrastructure. Infrastructure, right. Working at home. And so, and then my clients are people who had to set up home offices. I got a lot of those kind of calls early on. Jane, how do you create a home office? You know, which is what I've had for a couple of decades. So, uh, you know, you, you counted on Best Buy and which was an essential business in my neck of the woods. You could do curbside uh, delivery for Best Buy, which I did. I've got one around the corner here. And, um, but anyway, and Staples, um, you know, and of course, Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. So you had to respect the fact that your clients were people and businesses who had to keep their, their business going, their sales going. Once they got through that, and for some, it took about three weeks. For some, it took about six weeks. But within about six weeks, most of my contracted speaking engagements pivoted to online. And that included things like AHIP, the um, mm -hmm. American Health Insurance Plan Conference, went virtual very quickly. I spoke at that. Uh, the American Telemedicine Association Conference. And Mon Johnson pivoted that virtually beautifully. It was a brilliant conference too, just after AHIP. So those big conferences pivoted to virtual. And then my client, more private work with the C-suite, some of those 
meetings that would have been in boardrooms or in smaller conference rooms, they often have pivoted now and continue to, to a more town hall kind of setting, a Zoom meeting with lots of heads, Brady Bunch style, um, where I'll speak for a little while and then we'll do a, a Q&A. Lots of conversation, of course, about how COVID's impacting the business, but some looking now into 2021, because we now realize we're not gonna be out of this by the fall. And in the summer when we thought maybe we'd have a break, no. So now that we, we really understand how long vaccines take to develop, not at warp speed, but at a rational speed and therapeutics, you know, I don't believe I'll be going to CES live in January in Vegas with 140,000 of my best friends from all over the world. Don't think that's gonna happen live, but certainly I'll speak virtually uh, at the Digital Health Summit and or CES. And then what about hymns? We don't know. That's what, March in Vegas? Don't know. So uh, we, we're gonna work this way effectively. And um, I think we're learning how to leverage these platforms really well, the way physicians have stood up telehealth really well. Well, I think this is a great way to end uh, our discussion today uh, by asking you the question of, well, other than publishing your ABCs of COVID book, what's <laughs> next for you in the coming year? What are you anticipating that you're going to be working on or doing uh, in the next 12 months? Well, um, I am updating the book book, Health Consuming, for the COVID era. And I'm going to do that just as an ebook really quickly. And we're going to stand that up hopefully in August next month. So I've got my designer in Dublin, Ireland, ready to receive the, the, uh, the copy soon. Um, the date is changing every day and I've got to stop updating. So, you know, every day, new, new PowerPoints. But um, the, the plot line is there. I, I know who this consumer is in the era of COVID. And this is what I, I believe I want to get out to everyone uh, now um, before the end of the summer. And then I'm gonna do another very short uh, ebook uh, the month before the American election, looking at health politics and how this is a healthcare election, public health, personal health, uh, privacy um, and broadband, you know, sort of the, my passions. And then I want to inform um, healthcare voters particularly industry policymakers on why, uh, you know, what we've learned from COVID and, and the politics and, and the health politics of it. So those are the two immediate next two uh, publications that I'm going to be putting together. Um, and then more uh, of this great work of collaborating on these virtual platforms and uh, particularly getting this message out about the importance of social determinants. and um, a health policy and policy beyond healthcare policy. It's all about everything. So that's sort of my mission. I'm, I'm driven through this COVID era to try to help make things better coming out of it. Well, Jane, as usual, when you and I get together, we could go on for hours chatting, uh, but we've, we're out of time today on this program, but congratulations again on winning the 2020 uh, Medigy Hitmake Award. You definitely deserve it. Thank you so much for being on our program. Colin, thank you, my friend. Lovely to be with you. This is Colin Hung today coming to you from Healthcare and IT Marketing Community. Thanks for listening.